Welcome to the Impact Investing Podcast from Circa 5000. I'm Matt Latham. And I'm Tommy Gillicuddy. Remember, nothing in this podcast is financial advice, and when investing, your capital is at risk. Enjoy the episode. Hi, everyone. We're back with another episode of the Impact Investing Podcast. This week, we've left at the safety of our studio in Liverpool. We've travelled all the way to the bright lights of London, and we're joined by our second ever guest, Will Rowe of Octopus Hydrogen. Hi, Thanks Will. for having me. Great, yeah, great to have you on. Um, so, hydrogen. Tom and I aren't experts. Tom might, maybe, maybe uh, Tom no, thinks no, he is. No, no. But um, <laughs> we also uh, we share a bit of history that we both well, we all started out in finance. Mm, um, yeah. So it'd be good to sort of hear for for our benefit and for the listeners' benefit, just sort of how you've gone from finance into the world of green hydrogen. Yeah, well, I guess you both had the same itch as me, which is <coughs> you started off what what we thought was a, a good graduate scheme at Barclays Wealth, all enjoyed same it. Same grad program. Same grad program, <laughs> had a great time on it. And I guess what we all realized was, you know, you can learn a lot in big corporates, but you've got an itch to scratch. And yeah. for me, that was always that entrepreneurial itch. So I left there, went to a company called Ovo. I'd actually worked at Ovo a little bit before I joined Barclays. Right. So the, the contrast kind of jumped out to me on day one because, mm. you know, at Ovo, my job was sort of, do everything, run around. I think I was the eighth employee. Yeah. By the time I left, there was 200 people. Mm-hmm. And then I was at Barclays and there's 60,000 people globally. And I was like, you know, <laughs> it just felt very different. So I always yep. struggled a little bit. But I loved, loved the time there. But then went back to Ovo, did a number of different businesses with them, did a smart meter business, actually started a pay-as-you-go energy business with them, and then started to move more into the kind of product and tech space mm-hmm. and did a lot of that. And Ovo's a renewable energy business. Yeah, it's. I think it's the second biggest supplier now. It recently bought um, SSE's customer base. I think it's about 5 million customers, yeah. you know, from, from a single founder to get to 5 million yeah, retail customers. Yeah. huge. It's incredible. You know, 6 billion revenue. It's yeah. a, gr- a great business. But, you know, needed to go on my own at some point and so left there. <laughs> I didn't have a good idea <laughs> for quite a long time. I'd, I'd known Greg from Octopus for quite a while. Um, worked with him a bit when I was at Ovo kind of, you know, uh, trying to complement your companies together. Yeah. Um, and eventually said, look, you know, let's start an incubator together. Mm-hmm. We didn't incubate any good ideas to start with. <laughs> and then eventually landed on the hydrogen idea. And we're like, ah, oh, this is actually quite a good one because yeah. ultimately green hydrogen is basically all about renewable electricity. So it yeah. kind of fitted together perfectly to kind of bring it into their portfolio because, yeah. you know, they've got great retail offering, they've got great tech platform. But what they didn't really have is like, if you're a big, you know, if you're a customer that's not going to go down direct electricity route tomorrow, they yeah. didn't really have a good offering for them. And the hydrogen piece really kind of like unlocks that market. Mm. So it was quite a nice kind of complementary business for them. What was it originally then? You know, I think we need to go back to basics with a lot of these things. So I think we need to walk through what hydrogen is, what green hydrogen is, yeah. what it is that you guys do, and all the all the chain that kind of goes through that because I'm not an expert, you're not an expert, and a lot of our listeners probably aren't experts either. So it'd be, it'd be good to know kind of what what originally jumped out uh, to you as a, as a as why hydrogen and why setting up a business related to hydrogen um, was a good idea, and then go into you know the the green element of hydrogen, how yeah. it can be non-green, and then we can perhaps talk about the business and and um, what you guys do. Yeah, so I think well, so hydrogen is like the fuel of the future, or you know the silver bullet to climate change. I think there's a lot of hype around it, mm. which is always a good thing to be in as a business. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you don't know That's when no want. one cares. Yeah. Um, but the reality is, like, you've also got to take that with a pinch of salt and say, right, well, let's have take, take a step back and look at, like, the physics of it, what, yeah. what the reality of it. And hydrogen, effectively, is used today quite quite commonly for two core things. So one is 
when you're refining crude oil, hydrogen is what you put through hydrogenation of oil to make, you know, kerosene from crude or petrol from crude or diesel from crude, etc. A lot mm. of the plastic products. And then the other is um, ammonia production, so for fertilizer. And you know, you could argue that the use of fertilizer has negative consequences, and yep. we need to think about that. But ultimately, you know, we are very reliant as humankind on ammonia-based fertilizers, so mm -hmm. it's pretty important stuff. But all of that hydrogen is made by taking natural gas and re blasting it with steam, effectively. So you release the CO two, and you're left with pure hydrogen. Mm. So it's you know it's terrible for the climate. Unabated yeah. grey hydrogen is is literally you know one of the top things you need to decarbonize. Right. And so any talk about like hydrogen as a fuel for the future really needs to be clear. We're talking about green only because right. any of this kind of natural gas derived hydrogen is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> we can't have more of it. Yeah. We need to be turning it off, not yeah. adding to the problem. Yeah. And green is that same process, but using renewable energy as, a, as the electricity source to do it. So effectively electrolysis it's been around for hundreds of years actually chlorine production it comes from effectively electrolysis but of salty water not pure water but effectively put electricity through water and you get you know at the anode and the cathode you get oxygen and hydrogen right. the oxygen goes off to atmosphere and you can capture the hydrogen now there's all sorts of different technologies of how you do it whether it be an alkaline or a, a PEM electrolyte different things ultimately you know water plus electricity equals hydrogen coming out the other end which mm -hmm. is you know, as you can imagine, very sustainable in yep. the long term. Now, obviously, you've got slight challenges with water, but you can solve those through things like desalination, etc. Mm -hmm. So there's, you know, ultimately, if we get it right, it's a huge opportunity to give us a, a fuel that can be really useful in lots of places. And so what is what is octopus hydrogen and what do you what do you do in that in that chain of everything? Yeah, so we rather ambitiously are vertically integrated. Right. <laughs> so by that, we do a bit of everything. I think fundamentally what we are is a green hydrogen developer. So, you know, what we do is we say, let's find wind and solar projects that have some sort of grid issue typically, so they can't export everything or, the you know, that's the ideal for us, the sweet spot. And we say, right, work with someone who's building a wind and a solar asset, so we don't need to build and fund that. Um, we'll add on a hydrogen production facility with them, and then we will take that hydrogen to try either swap out the grey hydrogen that's used today, so, you know, tube trailers instead of going to big old gas facility and getting hydrogen they come to us and get green or we um we use it you know to take it to uh mobility applications such as heavy goods vehicles or even aviation and in the future we could be talking about ships we could be talking about right. making e-fuels all these other sort of things but right now our focus is on kind of producing pure green hydrogen next to renewables so we don't kind of compound the grid problems and using that to try and fix the areas that aren't going to be decarbonized through electricity or yeah. where there's already a lot of co2 being released how um, producing your own hydrogen, being vertically integrated, it sounds uh, capital intensive. It sounds like a <laughs> like uh, hard work. Is that is that the case? <laughs> yeah, it it is. And you know, look, we we take on a lot of challenges. So we do our EPC ourselves. So we design and build the sites ourselves, rather than sort of handing it off to one of your big EPC right. companies. I think there's merits to that strategy. One of the ways we simplify is we try and buy products. So what we do is we buy an electrolyzer as a box that you put water and electricity in and get hydrogen out. We're not trying to sort of design bespoke mm. systems around that. A lot of the bigger projects are moving into that bespoke end. Um, we do the distribution logistics, but we partner on that. Right. So, I mean, look, ultimately the way we see it is, you know, customer needs hydrogen. We need to be able to solve that value chain for them. Yeah. We don't have to physically pay everyone on our payroll to fix that problem, but we certainly need to be responsible for it. Yeah. So it's really just, that's what I mean by the vertical yeah, integration yeah. rather than us, you know, screwing every nut in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, you, so you, you're, you're looking at two angles for business. One is one is replacing gray hydrogen with green hydrogen in, yeah. in, in applications where hydrogen is already a, a major part. 
but also you say there's a there's a bit of a hype around it being the you know potentially a bigger part of the green fuel of the future yeah. mix how far can that go where, where are the other applications and you know where where is it where is perhaps it overhyped yeah i think it you see all these scenarios i think national grid release a relatively sensible which is around like the future energy scenarios just for the uk but you know you could kind of extrapolate that globally i think and they talk about you know will hydrogen be 10 percent or 15 20 percent 30 percent of the final energy mix mm -hmm. and i think you know that's where it gets really interesting so you know i'd imagine most homes are gonna have a heat pump rather than a hydrogen boiler i think from a cost and efficiency perspective that's the way i see that going i think most cars are going to be battery electric i think a decent number of heavy goods vehicles will be battery electric but there's no way they'll all be battery electric mm. i don't see us building sort of catenaries over the motorway to power electric trucks so at that point i'm like well it's either going to be battery electric or it's going to be hydrogen yeah and then, you know, aviation, well, we're not going to have electric planes. You know, <laughs> it, would, yeah. it wouldn't go anywhere because you'd be carrying batteries. Not intense around. enough to energy, to renewable energy. Yeah, so it's, you get at that point, whether the hydrogen gets turned into an e-fuel or whether it goes indirect as hydrogen, you'd argue will come down to cost and the physics and other factors. But the reality is you're going to need an energy carrier like hydrogen to be involved somewhere. Same with shipping, right? You know, there's this talk of, is it ammonia? Is it methanol? Is it pure hydrogen? I'm sort of like, well, it, Right now, it doesn't really matter which one it is. The point mm. is, what we need is lots of renewable energy, mm. and turning it into hydrogen unlocks all those other pathways. Whether it be ammonia, methanol, doesn't really matter. You know, they're yeah. all molecules at the end of the day. How does it? Because uh, a lot of the a lot of one of the criticisms of like the traditional renewables, wind and solar, is intermittent, can't store it, can't store it, can't can't transport it. How does hydrogen kind of sit alongside that, and how does it overcome some of those? Elements? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. I think the way I like to think of it is the other way around. So. When the wind blowing or the sunshine, we have cheap, excess, abundant, zero marginal cost mm. energy on the system. So the way I see it is, you know, let's build as much as we can because, you know, solar at the moment in, say, Saudi is 10 cents a, a kilowatt. Mm. Sorry, one cent a kilowatt. So 10 pounds a megawatt hour equivalent. Right. To put that into context, nuclear is like 120 pounds yeah, yeah. a megawatt hour. So you're thinking, let's build as much wind and as much solar as we can, mm. have excess, and then use it you put it into batteries put it into vehicles heat people's homes through heat pumps turn it into hydrogen then when we've got the, the lulls let's work out which ones could have gone the other way you know so mm. take it back out of the batteries maybe convert it back from hydrogen into that so rather than thinking of it as you know renewables aren't going to be a, a big part of the solution i think of it as renewables are the cheapest let's mm. overbuild them have excess and then we'll solve the, the gaps with the with right. the th things in the middle rather than underbuild mm -hmm. relying on guaranteed production things like nuclear which is very expensive yeah. and then flip it over i'm pro nuclear in a net zero world by the way i'm yeah. not a bear on nuclear i just think ultimately it's expensive mm. and it's not flexible so there is a challenge with that yeah what is, so what is you, we've talked about nuclear in the podcast a couple of times before and i've done you know surface level research on nuclear <laughs> i'll have to admit but it seems like it should be part of the mix in the future because obviously once you've overcome that initial cost then the reliability and always on is is there and that could in theory replace the fossil fuel component of the always on debate how do w where do you come out on that and do you see it as part of the mix yeah i think it's impossible to imagine a net zero world about a degree of nuclear for power generation but ultimately you know nuclear in the moment in the uk is three times the price of onshore and offshore wind yeah so does everyone want three times their energy bill <laughs> not at the <laughs> <No>. moment <laughs> <laughs> well yeah not ever but <laughs> not now. yeah so that like that that's the fundamental of it so does it play a role yeah 100 percent yeah but would you build your whole energy system off nuclear? Mm. I I wouldn't. The French did, you know, and yeah. <laughs> you know, and 
they subsidize it very heavily at a government level, you know, but I think I think you've got to imagine nuclear plays a big role. But mm. yeah, for me, it should fill in the gaps, not be the strategy on its own. Work and work and governments, because governments can uh, play a massive role in subsidizing, promoting energy transition, et cetera. Where, can they, where are they playing a role at the moment when it comes to hydrogen, say, in this country and, and in others? And where could they, where could they do more? Well, look, I think you look at UK, I don't know, you guys know as much as I do about bits of that, right? You've, you've seen the offshore wind mechanism with the CFDs has brought offshore wind prices down from yeah. you know, 20 years ago to where they are today. You know, offshore wind's super competitive now, solar's competitive. That's all due to whether it be UK, EU, US subsidies effectively driving those costs down. Mm. And, and now, you know, that's the cheapest form of energy globally. Yeah. So we're benefiting not just the West, but also the developing world. You know, it's yeah. cheaper to build solar in Africa than it is to commission a new gas plant, et cetera. Yeah. So it's, it's a good like, net win for humanity. Yeah, yeah. I think hydrogen needs a bit of that kind of level of support. Equally, I think you've got to be careful because what you don't want to do is support hydrogen so much that we start switching from coal to hydrogen, thinking that it was just a, you know, and with the, what missing the fact that we need wind, we need solar, mm. and, you know, it's not on its own a solution. Yeah. So I think, you know, UK government, if you'd have asked me, well, ask me, I, I think we get good support. There's mechanisms in place to support fuel switching. There's mechanisms in support to provide CapEx and OPEX support for projects. You ask, you know, there's an FT article out last week. You've got CEO of ITM Power <laughs> saying, you know, UK's falling behind. You've got Johnson Matthey saying we're falling behind. They've, I guess my only comment to that would be they're typically on the manufacturing side where you know that kind of manufacturing local jobs ip stuff is much more yep. what they're looking for support around which other countries i think typically compared to the mm. uk probably have done but doubled down a bit more on yeah but i think at a macro energy transition piece i think we get you know decent support mm. just just do more and quicker at all i'd ever yeah. say yeah how much uh, we did an episode i can't remember the last one or the one before that on on greenwashing how much is mm. the word hydrogen now associated with just transition to green energy but is actually you know it's gray hydrogen that's being input you know being uh inputted into that equation rather than yeah, green hydrogen. Uh, you know so take california right? i think california is one of the biggest markets for ty uh, toyota mirai so the domestic level car that can run on hydrogen almost all of their refueling is gray hydrogen so net net <laughs> they probably increase the co2 <laughs> output from california yeah. than they have if they're just stuck with yeah. combustion engines Maybe with American cars, it's not quite that black and white, but they're yeah. pretty, you know. So it's, you know, there's a lot of that. Their cars effectively running on natural gas, ultimately. Yeah. yeah. And actually, to be fair, if you switch a vehicle from natural gas to, um, from diesel to natural yeah. gas, it's better. But um, the way you produce hydrogen, you release more yeah. <laughs> CO2 yeah, the energy yeah. density is worse. But I think th there's a big risk of green Russian right? Because ultimately, oil and gas in the, the pedigree there is about molecules, not about electrons. And so the more we have a narrative around, you know, molecule-based energy in our society, the more it opens the door for gray hydrogen, you know, blue hydrogen, which is gray hydrogen with carbon capture and storage. And there's some projects around that. And look, don't I've got some sympathy for the idea of building these projects. So, you yeah. know, if you go to the Northwest, right, there's, um, you know, the big industrial cluster with ICI, or I think it's Innovin now, but you know, there's like the chlorine production, there's a power station. The idea of just tomorrow building enough green hydrogen to fix that problem mm -hmm. is not trivial. Mm. You know, it's it, it, there's not a lot of renewables there apart from offshore wind. It, it, yeah. But so, th th so what they're proposing to do is add in a big carbon capture and storage facility and pumping the CO2 into a salt cavern off the mm. coast. Mm. The problem I've got, not specifically with that project, but generally is, okay, let's say we ca capture carbon where we know we're already producing it. 
what I don't necessarily think we should be doing is building new dedicated gas to hydrogen facilities. And and kind of it's fine because we've got this capture on yeah. the side. Like, what, why do, do we that? want and then just remove it because we've, we've developed that technology on the side? You, I think was it you said you know if you burn down ten houses and build yeah, twenty yeah. new, <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, exactly. it's like we can't be doing that. We've got loads of problems where we could capture CO two. Why don't we spend the money on capturing the CO two where we where we know we're not you know cement making where it's yeah. really hard, glass making which is really energy intensive. Let's try and yeah. capture that CO two. Yeah. Rather than worrying about, oh, let's build a massive blue hydrogen plant and dump it into the gas grid for very little CO2 gain. Yeah. yeah. In, um, in doing my extensive and in-depth research for the podcast, when I became a hydrogen expert, I uh, read a quote that was, hydrogen supply is virtually lim limitless and it's pound for pound. It contains three times as much energy versus traditional fossil fuels. Um, whether or not that's true or not, you can debunk that in a second. But what are the... You re I read a lot of positive stuff. What are the... Where is it not used or where can it not be used and what are some of the drawbacks from from hydrogen yeah. energy green hydrogen energy so uh right pound for pound yeah. so, so just on that one don't interrogate me on that fact yeah no 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 it's fine so <laughs> just 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 on that so hydrogen i think and i'm, I'm not a physicist is the most energy dense molecule so i yeah per uh per weight thing per mass <laughs> <laughs> but the problem with hydrogen is it's also the biggest molecule insofar as it's very voluminous. Right. So this is what this is where it gets complex. Yes, I read. I did read that. I remember. So this morning. So <laughs> so although if you have a given mass of something, right, mm. hydrogen does contain a lot of energy. I mean, it contains more energy than petrol for a given yeah. mass. The problem is that mass takes up a lot more space. Yeah. So, like in reality, <laughs> you have to compress it to very very high pressures, which creates you know you've got a very expensive and you know solidly built <laughs> thing to carry the hydrogen in so to give you an idea you know a, a petrol tank of of the overall weight of a barrel you know of a thing of petrol 95 percent of it would be the weight of the petrol mm. and five percent would be the weight of the carrier with hydrogen if you get past about 10 percent mm. so i.e. 10 percent energy versus 90 percent of the weight is in right. the vessel mm. so any argument around it's great because it's got loads of energy in it. It's true, but you end up to carry it, to move it, to use it. The vessel you're carrying it in ends up weighing loads more than the thing anyway. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's not a yeah. panacea, let's right. say. Okay. Um, so we, your business, Octopus Energy, is still a relatively new business. What a couple of years old is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah years old. Um, and so what is the what is the plan? What is the what is the the you know the vision of of your business? Um, and what what does the future hold for it? Yeah. So look. The, the we kind of have two core products. One is we build green hydrogen production facilities and we want to sell the hydrogen to people who need it to displace the gray or to new you know, applications that make sense. And just touching on your previous question, yeah. we would want to sell to the likes of hauliers who want to use hydrogen trucks. We don't want to be putting it into the gas grid. We don't want to be selling it to car operators because that's not where we see the market is. We see ultimately, let's focus this relatively sort of... Um, although it could be abundant, let's focus this premium molecule on the things that are going to be difficult to decarbonize through electrification. And then I think, so for us, we want to produce it, we deliver it, or someone can collect it. Mm. That's our kind of core business, quite infrastructure heavy, you know, rules, regulations. The second piece we have to our business is a tech platform. So as we've kind of been describing, you know, the trick to making hydrogen green is to use renewable energy and they're not available 24 seven every yeah. day. So being able to demonstrate that when you did produce your hydrogen, you were using renewables as an important part of that. And then going after the difference of price in those renewables, so getting the cheapest possible electrons, is the way you bring down the cost of green hydrogen. Yeah. So we've been building that platform since day one. And that's our kind of globalization opportunity, let's say, in the right. early years. Because, you know, I believe that the problem of 
sourcing green electrons for hydrogen projects is a global problem mm. and we kind of believe that we can help other project developers benefit from that yeah um and then look you know three years time once the platform's globalized and we've got loads of great projects then we'll start looking at how do we take over the whole world from a hydrogen perspective but you know you know you've got to walk before you can run haven't you big vision one step at a time <laughs> um, indeed so obviously this is we, you know, we talk about investing a lot because we're an impact investing podcast and uh a lot, a lot of what we do and in the background is obviously climate related investing. I think we've got there's a few companies in in the in our themes at the moment that are hydrogen related, and we're building our uh, ETFs that we that we talked about on the pod before, which should be you know coming out next year. And hydrogen will will be hopefully be a feature of the the finalised ETFs yeah. that we bring out. But you're right at the the coal face of the front end of the uh, innovation in that part of the industry. And I think when we when I when we talk to people a lot because of all the there's a lot of doom and gloom that goes on not just climate related but general politics and economics at the moment. Yeah. But we're natural optimists, and I think to invest in the future you have to be kind of a natural optimist. Yeah. Is that how you think, and and, and how do you tie in with the current state of us addressing climate change and what uh, and how you think about the future? Yeah, I think like you say, you know, sometimes I was flying back from some other day and I was on a plane I'm feeling guilty and I look out the window I was over Southampton and I saw that huge refinery mm. and I was thinking wow you know <laughs> that is huge you know like can it only accommodate 20% of UK's fuel supplies and it literally you know go back and you can see it from space it's that big so you're thinking oh god we've got a lot of challenges on our hands but the other time I'm like well you know solar's the cheapest form of electricity yeah. wind's the you know the second cheapest form of electricity people care yeah. you know all of a sudden you know my kids are coming home talking about eating less meat, not wanting to fly. You know, we're starting to have those changes come around. So I think, well, it only takes a, a few things. You know, consumer sentiment goes one way, political sentiment will follow. Businesses now feel obligations to do it, and yeah. the businesses that are thinking about these things are trying to get the right side of it. Yeah. You know, so I, I sort of see it. You know, you back those businesses on a long term. That's the place to be. Yeah. I realize that's a very on-brand message. <laughs> <but> <laughs> yeah. Thanks for that plant. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think like the more. I don't know how, whether you feel the same, but I think, especially over the last two years, I think there's never I've never met more you know smart people with ideas working on climate related problems or you know social related problems that are funded and have great business ideas that are pursuing with everything they've got, and that's got to fill you with optimism for the long term picture. To take it 10, 10, 15 years ago, we'd have all stayed in banking trying yeah. to make big bonuses. Yeah doing that and i think there's probably a blend of things one the bonuses got smaller in banking <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not the main reason <laughs> no but the, the the reality is i think we all thought look there's a you've got an entrepreneurial spirit you want to do yeah you want to do something that's going to make an impact and ultimately i think you know sitting in your big office in canary wharf probably has got a limited impact at times yeah. and 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 that but you also want to bring that entrepreneurial spirit to that and so climate tech climate opportunities feel a bit you know a lot like that for me because it's a huge problem you know energy is yeah. a massive global problem and i think the more bright people who want to apply themselves to it i just think it, you know we don't find it hard to hire talent because of yeah. the sector we're in you know yeah, yeah. and i think if we if we were trying to sell tobacco i think it'd be a lot harder yeah. to attract yeah. and retain people yeah. i think it, it, well the, to bring it full circle i think the investment industry is obviously waking up to hydrogen there's a there's mm. now a there's now about nine or ten different hydrogen ETFs, I think, out there on the market. Oh, is there? Yeah. Um, you know, it's something we're looking at for our for our, one of our ETFs we're bringing out next year. Not not exclusively hydrogen, but more within a green and climate tech focus fund. Um, I suppose it's it's one of those one of those areas that, given everything you've said, you know, it's a it's a highly complex area. It's also highly, I think. If I was before I bought one of those hydrogen ETFs, I think I'd want to have a good old look under the bonnet, what and see, hydrogen, what, what see what was in yeah. there, because I think it's uh, there's definitely going to be some companies in there that are serving a supply chain, but are also going to be serving 
not necessarily just yeah. the green aspect of the market, but also the other aspects as well. So yeah, and I, I think I'd be surprised if many of them end up having like a pure grey hydrogen narrative. That's mm. that's not probably obvious. But, but like you say, you've got to be careful on how much blue. What yeah, you know, and also looking at you know how how credible do you see that transition looking for them? Because yeah. you know, take an electrolyzer manufacturer. They're, they're, they 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 produce a product that makes only green hydrogen. You know. You've got a number of factors in there. You know, they're a production business ultimately. So, you know, how hyped can they be, et cetera? You know, you've got to think about that. But then I think there's all sorts of other applications, whether it be storage, fuel cells, you know, there's a whole range of bits that kind of can fit the hydrogen ecosystem that, you know, have a green. Because yeah. ultimately, once you've made the molecule, whether it was gray, blue, or green, it doesn't, it looks the same. Yeah. You know, it's identical. So the key is all about sourcing the green, but people who supply into it. Yeah, it's the same kit for. Which whichever method was used to produce exactly. it. Yeah. Well, where could um, where could we and uh, our listeners find out more about, you know, if you wanted to, you know, a one hundred and one on green and hydrogen, and more about your business and what you're doing, where where, where would you um, direct us to? Uh, so I guess best book I've read in hydrogen was probably by a guy called Marco Alvera. It's called uh, I want to call it it's the Hydrogen Economy. I think he was the ex CEO of Snam. That's a decent right. a decent read. Lots of facts and figures. He yeah. actually I don't agree with his conclusions, but you know. Best <laughs> <laughs> you know, once you've read it, you'll... We'll dig out the link and put it in there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, uh, can I plug another podcast for you? Absolutely. As so long as it's, as long as, you know, it's not a competitor. We're in for two podcasts a week. <laughs> in now, I think. Yeah, so there's a podcast called Everything About Hydrogen that I, right. I listen to. Uh, I used to one guy's UK, two of them from the States. It's a good podcast, definitely yeah. worth a listen. It's yeah. probably about three seasons now, though, so cool. you know, you commit your life to it. There's a lot to know about hydrogen. We, th- we thought impact <laughs> investing was a narrow field. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> They've managed to get three seasons out of hydrogen, and I'm feeling more confident about doing this for some people. <laughs> oh, yeah, you'll be fine. <laughs> I mean, I, I've been listening to a new podcast recently by Mo, do you know Modo? They're in the energy space. They kind of do battery um, data, like, right. like a bit like Bloomberg for the, the right, battery right. space. Yep. I'm sure they'll tell me, kill me for that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get the suit. <laughs> but I mean, that, that, that is, so that's a podcast on data for energy storage wow, right. companies. You know, like so it's in fact, podcast that we're going down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a great podcast, by the way, but it's, it's niche, you know. Yeah, cool. And, and if you wanted to find out more about your company, just visit the website. Message me on LinkedIn. Message me on LinkedIn. Yeah, cool. pr- perfectly not trying to sell me something, but, you know, <laughs> <laughs> unless it's hydrogen. You want, you want Calling all recruiters. <laughs> <laughs> uh, really appreciate your time. Well, it's been great speaking to you and yeah, love what you do you. with Octopus Hydro. Yeah, Brilliant. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Will. Thanks. Impact Investing from Circa 5000. Thank you for listening to Impact Investing, a podcast brought to you by Circa 5000. Remember, when investing, your capital is at risk, and this podcast is not financial advice. If you like what you hear, then please remember to like, subscribe, and share the podcast.